This is the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 33. This is the 200 Churches Podcast, created to encourage and inspire pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church and strive to provide information and encouragement to make you smile, think, and be challenged. The Fred and Barney of Ministry Podcast, Jeff and Johnny. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and I am here with my partner in crime, Jeff Cade. Jeff Jeffrey Kate. Jeff, what's your middle name, Jeff? Uh, William. William. Yeah. Don't don't tell anybody though, because I'm concerned about that identity theft type stuff. You all right. Know? Your secret is safe with well, me. Well, with all the money in the bank, you know, I don't want it being siphoned out too quickly. <laughs> Did you need my social security number? You know, I went through your trash the other day, and I already have it. I wrote it down. It has a number one in it, but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> does it? It has a number. That's, it that's incredible information. Now you all know something more about Jeffrey William Cady with a social security number that has a one in a it. A number one. We're excited today. We are pumped up here at 200 Churches about our conversation with Dan the man Ryland. That's not his real middle name. It's just Dan Ryland. He wrote a book, Amplified Leadership, and we sat down and talked with him about that today. Today, we're going to bring you part one of a five-part series with Dan, talking about the book, talking about the importance of relationships in small church ministry. The difference between this interview and most that you hear with authors, usually they, they're on the book tour, right? They, they, go to, they go to all kinds of different shows. They get in interviews. They get in, the, they get in the print. And they're trying to sell their book. Dan is not trying to get rich by selling his book. His book has been out for two and a half years. And the reason we're interviewing him on this book is because of the content of the book and how helpful it is for pastors, really of any size church, but really how helpful it is for pastors of small churches as as you uh, are so dependent on volunteer leaders, and it's going to help you raise up leaders. Yeah, and I, I Jeff, you know more about Dan Ryland than, than I do, and you can talk to that in just a second, but I was blown away by the content in this interview, just the way he speaks so naturally and is so obviously gifted when it comes to small church leadership, church leadership of any size, his church is larger, but church leadership and the importance of training and equipping leaders. You know, a lot of young pastors are kind of tired of the hype of the baby boomers, right? I mean, we got to have everything perfect in the church. We got we to gotta program everything, and it's like a production, and everything's hype. Dan Ryland is a guy, he's a baby boomer. He's in the, he's in the middle of the baby boomers, but here's a guy who has played legitimately second fiddle in the organizations that he's been in, but he's the guy that gets all the work done. He's the executive pastor. He's the guy who does the administration. He's the guy who watches over the rest of the staff, and he really shepherds the the uh, pastoral staff who are each involved in their own little, like, you know, 200-church ministry within a larger church. So the great thing about Dan is he's not trying to impress anybody with his silver-tongued oratory. The guy's just downright smart, and he's smart because of experience in the trenches. Absolutely. Dan spent a number of years with John Maxwell on John Maxwell's team, and now he's been 12 years at 12 Stone Church in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a church, uh, they have so many great resources available online. Uh, That's just really a healthy place to be. And so it was great to sit down with Dan. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to play you part one of our conversation with Dan Ryland. So we're here with Dan Ryland. Dan, thank you for coming on the 200 Churches podcast with us. Glad to be here, Jeff, and uh, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. 
Well, we've got, uh, we've got this book called Amplified Leadership, and uh, we've looked through it pretty closely, and there's a lot of great material here that we want you to share with our listeners here at 200 Churches. Uh, most of our listeners are, are solo pastors, uh, bivocational pastors, lay pastors, and you've got some really good material to help them uh, figure out how to raise, uh, raise up lay leadership. And I think you've probably done a little bit of that. So just, just tell us where you're at. Tell us what you're doing. And in just a, you know, a minute or two, kind of give us your life story. <laughs> <laughs> in a minute or two. That's easy, huh? Yeah. No, no. Thanks, thanks for giving me the opportunity, you know, a shot to do that. Well, actually, I'm born and raised in San Diego, California, and a criminal justice uh, administration major, a private investigator for a short while. God got a hold of my, my life and heart. And I uh, gave my gave my heart to Jesus in and at Easter 1973 under Pastor Orwell Butcher, and um, <clears throat> made a hard right from that uh, criminal justice world and and uh, private investigator stuff to headed to Asbury Seminary and ended up um, uh, interning with Maxwell and spending then 20 years with him. The latter part of those years at Enjoy. Uh, first part at Skyline Church in San Diego, the latter part of those years, traveling the country, encouraging, teaching, training up, raising up uh, leadership and, and pastors. And God called me back from that um, in 2001 to come to um, Atlanta, Georgia, and serve at uh, what was then Crossroads Church, mm-hmm. and, and it's now um, 12 Stone. So I serve as executive pastor here at 12 Stone Church, a multi-site model, and we are having a blast. I'm not sure we know what we're doing, but we're having a blast. Well, that's all of us in ministry, right? I think so. <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> that's great. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask you which stories that John Maxwell tells where you're the, where you're the guest host, you know, you're the guest actor in those stories. Uh, I've heard a few <laughs> of them, and I've kind of wondered, I wonder if that was Dan Ryland, but we, <laughs> we won't ask. Don't ask. Uh, I'm afraid that too many of them are true, and uh, especially with the stories he puts in his books. However, I will say in defense, while most of them are true, they also have a tendency to grow year by year by year by year. I you know. That. We, yeah. we would never think that of him. We would never think that. Well, I love him to death. He's my friend and mentor, more like an older brother than, than anything at this point. We still do a lot of projects together. And as a matter of fact, we just we text we text back and forth, and he's just uh, I'm just very grateful for all of his um, mentoring and friendship and love over the years. Absolutely. Hey, let's get right to your book because uh, I think it's so important. In the, in the first section, it's called "Establish a Relationship." Could you just take about sixty seconds, just summarize your message in that part of your book, Part One: Establish a Relationship. And the chapters there you titled "Connect at the Heart." and appreciate people for who they are. Uh, just just kind of summarize, what do you mean by establish a relationship? Uh, I think that it's only typically only one senior leader in any organization, senior pastor in a local church, CEO in a company. There's really only one uh, leader that begins leadership at the point of vision. Everybody else in the organization begins leadership at the point of relationship. And very few books are written that way. And so I think leaders get confused when they try to hop, skip, and jump right over establishing a relationship and understanding that that's their platform, not vision. Now, it's true they got to quickly get to vision. But 
I think young leaders, ex-leaders of any age, if, if, if we don't help leaders understand that everything begins at that heart level, begins at a connection, begins at appreciating people, it begins at establishing a relationship, not the big idea of the vision that um, the leadership just doesn't get traction. Okay, so you're saying that leaders who are not at the at the CEO level of, of any organization, whether it's a a small church or a, or a larger multiple staff church, um, if they're not at that level, it all begins with a relationship. Yes. And if they are at that level, then what then, does it begin with? You said it begins with vision. I think it begins with vision, but they must quickly, and again, this is, we have to, because we think and write linear, um, we, we write out this amplified plan in a linear fashion, mm-hmm. but obviously there's a blend and blur and there's, there is a simulcast sort of, you know, things are happening at the same time. So, uh, even though the senior, the senior pastor, let's take it for example, in a, in a church would begin with vision, he or she must quickly be all over relationship as well and, and intermix relationship as well, or, that vision will soon be in trouble. So no one really gets away from it, but that senior leader gets a little bit more shot to maybe be up front and start with vision. Everybody else has to start with relationship. And, and in reality, that, that, that local church pastor, he's kind of have to do both, right? I mean, he's, he does. Got, he's got a lead and he's got to connect at the same time. He really does. And that often is what determines what, how good of a communicator you are. You know, we often hear of these great communicators who they just make, make everybody feel like they're talking right to them, uh, right to each, indiv- each individual personally. That, that simply is an indication of how good they are. The better the communicator, the better they can connect in the larger size crowd. That's why sometimes somebody speaking to a Maxwell can speak to 20,000 people and connect. Uh, if you put me in front of 20,000 people, there's no way I could connect. I'm just not, <laughs> I'm just not good enough, you know? Um, but every leader has a shot at connecting with the size crowd that God has put them, in respons- put them responsible for. Sure. Um, I love this idea of, of relationship being primary, Dan. I'm a, I'm a very relational guy. Um, and in your book, you contrast intimacy with distance. And, you know, we should be warm and, and we should show concern. Um, I I had a pastor at one point, and warm fuzzy was just not something that he was real capable of. I mean, I think just because of his personality, he was uh, a little bit distant. Um, what what do you do with something like that? How do you how do you help a guy or a, or a lady like that connect to people? Well, I I, I think the first thing is I try to have a, a real honest conversation, and while this might fearfully sound a little a little black and white I don't mean to but I, I don't personally think they have a choice and and while it, I think they've got to get out of their comfort zone and while they may never be great at it they may never be fully at ease and fluid and just sort sure. of this amazing people person right. I think everybody can get better and so you, you asked you know how do you help them where do you start I, I like to start the conversations with self-awareness and see how aware they are, see how secure they are, see how confident they are, and how freed up they – basically, bottom line is how freed up they are to be themselves. Right. Absolutely. Now, um, Dan, you talked about uh, the, the tension between accepting people for who they are uh, and how they are and yet also pushing them to reach their potential. 
So what do you think is the number one consideration for a small church pastor uh, when he's trying to select potential leaders who are unique and interesting people? I mean, uh, we've all had unique and interesting in our churches, and sometimes it seems like those are the people who, who want to step up and who want to be involved. And the people that we, we really would like to get involved are kind of sitting in the background. Uh, so, you, you know, what do you think about that? What's the number one consideration uh, for a small church pastor? You know, I love that question. And I think the number one consideration for a small church pastor is to look for somebody who's good at something. Not necessarily good for the position of leadership or service that they're recruiting them for, but are they simply competent at something? Are they just good at something, at their work, in their community, in their neighborhood? I've found over the years that if, if an individual is just good at something, then they've got some, some engines under the hood. They've got something under the hood that makes – that probably through coaching and encouragement and training, we can translate that competence to something more kingdom-minded. And, uh, you know, on the, on the too unique part, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, we we kind of like unique people. However, uh, to try to be fair and give a, a real answer here, uh, it, it can't be so unique of a person that they're, that they're counter, that it's, their personality is sort of counterintuitive to the culture of your church. Mm-hmm. If they just don't fit, if it just doesn't work, uh, um, well, then it just doesn't work. And so I think you can handle people who are very different and unique, but not people who who are just completely fish out of water in the culture of your church. Right, you're right. And I guess the, you know, for a pastor of a small church, he's the one who's got to decide that, right? What the he, culture of the church is. He decides the culture and he sets the pace. He or she sets the pace. I think, you know, Sam Chan's book, um, Determining your, your your cracking your church's culture code is a fantastic book. He he gives brilliant questions in it, and helps he helps a, a pastor he helps a pastor or a leader get underneath this idea of culture so that it isn't accidental. It's 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 intentional and on purpose, and you build it um, you build it into you know my my twelve years ago this fall my first week here. Of all the things uh, Kevin Myers, the senior pastor, could have chosen to say uh, of any of the directive things, there's only been one in 12 years. And this was before the books were out, and it was a cool topic. But he said in our first week together, he said, don't touch the culture. Hmm. And I think he just intuitively is a wise leader, again, before this was a, a cool, hot topic. And and that's how powerful that is, that um, the senior leader, the senior pastor has got to be intentional. What does he want to, the organization to, to prioritize around, to feel like, to look like, the brand? What, that's a very important deal. Now, I'm thinking of a, of a pastor coming into a small church, and there's uh, oftentimes there's people, maybe but a family, that's kind of you know, rooted in the church and kind of decides that culture. How, how would a young guy know whether or not he's going to be able to uh, to change a culture. I think most pastors would come in, especially if they have little to no experience, they really wouldn't have a clue as to the fact that they are in charge of the culture, responsible for it, should be shaping it. Uh, just just speak to that for a second for the guy out there who's 
who's kind of in a in a church with like five or six families, uh, how how could how should he think about um, uh, changing the culture in the church? Yeah, brilliant question. And a lot of the younger guys, or maybe not necessarily younger, but just less experienced, really get taken out at the knees here uh, because until you win those key influencing families, you you don't even try to shape the culture. Uh, you want to shape their hearts first. You want to win their hearts, invest in them, love them, pull them into the vision, uh, invest in their life to such a degree that um, they're, they're with you and, and you begin to mark them in such a way that they begin to um, sort of adopt, embrace uh, the culture from you directly. And when you watch that happen in those key influencing families, then you know it's time to begin trying to infuse it in the rest of the in the rest of the congregation. Okay, I like that. So they're there to first connect with the people, and until they've done that, not to really worry about about changing the culture. Yep. And that was part one of our interview with Dan Ryland, and I love the what he just ended on the fact that as a as a young leader, when you come into a situation, and certainly we're talking to pastors of churches, you don't come in with your agenda unless your agenda is connecting with the people, connecting with the church family that you have, not coming in and without any connection, without any relational uh, uh, chemistry, you just try and push your agenda on them. Yeah, that's that's always going to end in disaster. I mean, that's just not a good way to go. Something something that Dan didn't talk about but but does appear in the first chapter of his book is being an authentic leader instead of a leader who who seeks self-preservation. So authenticity over self-preservation. And his first point about self-preservation, self-protection, is that it is rooted in fear and it will ultimately result in hiding. And now um, Dan uses Adam and Eve as his illustration for what self-protection looks like. But I think this is a fact that we all know inherently. If you are out to protect your image, to protect your good name or whatever you want to say, chances are you're doing that out of out of fear. You don't there's something about yourself that you don't want someone else to know. There's something about yourself where you feel you could be better another way and you're protecting that little piece, you're protecting that little piece in the middle because you're afraid of what happens if it gets exposed. You're afraid of what happens if you just are yourself with somebody else, you're afraid of that, and that is going to result in you hiding a part of yourself to protect yourself. That's right, and every pastor needs to decide when he gets to a church and when she gets to a church, are they going to just be themselves and develop genuine authenticity in their leadership and in their relationships, or are they going to try to fabricate and uh, produce this person that they think their people want, that they think the church needs or wants, and again, that is going to result in. Uh, it comes from from fear. And uh, another point he makes, and we're just bringing up a little bit in these two chapters that well, there's no way we could talk to to him about all this stuff in our interview. But he talks about self protection, wasting emotional energy, and and it's really true. If we try to hide parts of ourselves and hide who we are from people, that results in us having to think about what we're saying, uh, hedge our words. Uh, it results in us worrying. We're worried that people are going to find out who we really are. It results in us uh, 
uh, losing energy because of this false force field we're building around ourselves so that people will see somebody other than who we are. And as pastors, we know we need all the emotional energy that we can get. And it, and it's so much easier to just be yourself, to be genuine, to let people see you for who you really are, and then use the emotional energy to help people who are really hurting and who need our help. And the final thing Dan says about self-protection is that self-protection is an attempt to control circumstances. And this is so true, and it's so true uh, in the context of that story of Adam and Eve that he was telling. They tried to control the circumstance. Uh, they were they were hiding in order to maintain the relationship exactly the way it was before with God. They didn't want their circumstances to change. They liked what they had going, and so they were trying to control the circumstances by hiding. But when we try to control circumstances, right, then we're never allowing ourselves to shine through. And here's the thing. God made you the way he made you for the ministry he made you for. You are gifted and talented in specific ways for specific reasons. Don't hide that. Don't run away from that. Don't try to control the circumstances that you're in to avoid that. Embrace it. That's who God made you to be. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And and uh, insecurity in a leader is not attractive, nor is it especially effective right. in leading people along. So he says basically self-protection is not is not the route to take as a leader, but there's a better a better road to take. And he said that's the road of authenticity. And he says that authenticity and this sounds so this sounds so elementary, but it really is. It's it's fundamental in leadership. Authenticity requires you to be yourself. And oftentimes we look at role models, and in order for us to think that we're going to do a good job, we try to be just like the role models that we're watching. So we try to be somebody else. We try to be somebody that we're not. And an authentic person is authentically and genuinely them. I mean, we like people for who they are. I mean, I mean, I, I can think of. I'm trying to think of a leader now who hasn't publicly disgraced himself because I don't want to. You know, there's a few sports figures I can think of, but I don't want to hold them up as an example. I suppose. But okay, let's just let's just pick the let's just pick the standard. Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham's in his 90s. He's a man of integrity. He's a leader. You know, we wouldn't want to have wanted Billy Graham to be anybody but Billy Graham. We don't need another one. He was the one God used. But you and me as a leader, we have to be ourselves because God wants us to be us. So the first fundamental aspect of authenticity is it just requires us to be ourselves. Yeah, and and the second is that authenticity requires that we trust God because you're going to get thrown into some crazy situations and circumstances when you've decided to be authentic with people. There's going to be uncomfortable questions. There's going to be uncomfortable moments. And in those moments, when you want to default to self-protection, when you want to default to don't show that part of me, don't show that side of me, you need to trust God to be authentic in that situation. And again, this goes back to what I said. God made you the way he made you for a reason. He wants you to be authentic. He doesn't want you to hide his handiwork. He doesn't want you to hide the creation that he made. So trust him. Say, God, you put me here. You gave me these responsibilities, right? I believe that you've led me to this place. I'm going to trust you that I can be authentic in it, and that will be all right. 
So again, we're in Dan Ryland's book, Amplified Leadership. We're in part one, and the overview, the, the umbrella over part one is establish a relationship. And that's what we talked about with him. That's what Johnny and I are talking about right now. And and the key, the key to remember here is that ministry is relationships. Ministry cannot happen outside of relationships. So when when you get to your church, you think, "Oh, I got to set up my office. I got to get my books together. I got to lay out, you know, my preaching plan, my teaching plan." Uh, but the really the first thing you need to do is you need to visit your people. You need to get to know your people. You need to build relationships. And one of the best things I did at at the church we're at now is the very first year I went around and I visited every single family in their homes that first year just so I could see these people that I would be working with in their natural habitat in their homes. Uh, So authenticity is important. And one of the things that Dan said is that authenticity requires community. It requires, I mean, because we can't be authentically ourselves in isolation from other people. Authenticity requires community, and community is something that we need to embrace. We need to embrace it in leadership. We need to embrace it in ministry. When you think about your own life, your own ministry, but really any area of your life, do you prefer to be around somebody who just is who they are, who is authentic, or do you prefer to be around the phonies? I mean, nobody wants to be around a phony, and we can all spot a phony from a million miles away. Phonies attract other phonies. And, and I'm not trying to call anybody out or be a jerk, but I'm just saying we prefer to be around authentic people. I was just telling Jeff the story. I, I was served under a pastor at a church um, right before I came here, and he was just who he was. He was authentic. If he came to your house to play games or have dinner, he was who he was. And the other day, I just sent him an email and said, Hey, Chris, thank you so much for showing me that I can be me and be a pastor. That I don't have to put on somebody else in the morning, act a certain way to be a pastor. God has gifted me this way, and he's going to use that for his kingdom. Yeah, and Dan ends this section by saying that simply good leadership, it begins with authenticity. And again, if you come into a leadership position wondering, what do the people want? What do they expect? Can I meet their expectations? Can I give them what they want? Can I be who they want me to be? Honestly, and I I hate to put it this way, but you've already failed. You've just already failed because good leadership begins with authenticity. And don't sell yourself short. If you're just yourself and you're the best yourself you can be, people will accept you. People will appreciate you. They will love you. I think that's, I think that's an excellent point. The best yourself you can be. Um, I, I've said on here before, I'm not a super organized person. I've been <laughs> upfront and honest about that. I'm not a super organized person. That doesn't mean that I don't have to do my best at organization. That doesn't mean I can just throw that away and say, well, if I try to act organized, I'm being phony. I can still do my best at organization. And will my best ever be on the same level as somebody who's gifted that way? No, never. And that's okay, but I have to do my best. Be the best yourself that you can be. That's what your people deserve, and that's certainly what God deserves out of your ministry. That's right. One of the things, again, that I love about Dan Ryland is he's just obviously himself. He's not trying to be somebody else. And unless you think that, that at, at 200 churches with our philosophy here that we're straying because we've got a guy on from a big church, 
we've got this guy on because he works with leaders, and he helps leaders from smaller departments in his church raise up leaders who will then replace him and that the work of the ministry can continue. And I think that what he's written in this book is just so practical and down-to-earth that leaders in churches of 25, 50, 100, you, you will really benefit from this. I benefited so much from this just in thinking about how to lead in my church, how to continue uh, you know, to do that. And so, uh, again, Dan is a guy that's just, that has trained so many leaders. And uh, we're, we're not trying to sell his book, but hey, Amplified Leadership. I, I bought it on Kindle. Uh, Johnny's got it in hardcover. And so go ahead and pick that up. And uh, we, we are going to play you parts two through five the last Wednesday of the month, uh, September through December. It was a great conversation with Dan. We're excited to play the rest of that. Like Jeff said, it's going to be the end of every month. Uh, we're going to have another one for you. So if you thought, man, that was great today. I wish I could have more. You can have more. There is more coming down the road at you. So we hope that we hope that this has been helpful to you today. Remember, be yourself. Be authentic. Lead through relationships. That is so key and so core. And we believe that you have the ability to do that and to be great and to do great things for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. Feel free to give the guys feedback or ask questions at 200churches.com. And remember, the leadership that you provide in your 200 church matters big in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm.